Bill had a great point. He said, how would the Percocet be masking the pain of a kidney stone when it wasn't fully masking the pain of your knee surgery? Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting while doing so with humor and light. Welcome everyone to the Only Child Diaries podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about trust, not just any trust or trust in any relationship. How much trust do you put into a person who you don't really know? What factors play into a level of trust that you have? Specifically, I'm going to address trust in your surgeon, but this will relate to other areas of life. Trust me, <laughs> these are questions and themes that I asked myself as I got closer to my knee surgery. My first couple of surgeries years ago were blessedly what you might call emergencies, situations that didn't necessarily warrant shopping around. And shopping around is what I would prefer. I would rather get the best opinion on my washing machine, or my car, or my dog. Why not my surgery, right? But mixed in with the confidence that you want to build into the process is the angst. I mean, who doesn't have at least some level of angst going into a surgical procedure? After all, there are risk factors, and you're put under general anesthesia, usually. What will happen? So you are literally trusting your life to one person and the team they chose to work with. That's a big heap of trust. One time, now, which surgery was it? I think my hernia, oh no, it was the torn meniscus. I woke up sobbing hysterically. Bill came into the recovery room about this time and assumed I was in a lot of pain or at least really uncomfortable. No, I was just grateful that the whole thing was over, that I had woken up. The thing was kind of stressful. Since then, I've learned that when I'm about to go under, I try to keep a positive thought. I usually think about one of my pets. I think about how much I love them, and I visualize spending time with them. So far, it seems to help. My knee surgery was about three weeks ago. I knew I had to have surgery. I was in too much pain, and despite countless Facebook ads for products that promised I could buy a product and relieve the discomfort and fix the problem, I mean, seriously? I knew that all the snake oil salespeople in the world wouldn't be able to touch this problem, let alone fix it permanently. It was going to be the hard road of surgery and then physical therapy. People would see me limping around 
and see my knee braces and ask what happened and what could I say? I got old. My extended warranty was canceled. My knees, especially one, gave out. The left one I had scoped years ago and seemed functional. The right one, always considered my good knee, had taken a deep dive several months before. Nothing happened to it. One day, it just hurt like hell. So I knew that one needed surgery. When I first saw my surgeon, the man who also did my dad's knee replacements years ago, he told me I needed both done. He was the expert. He looked at my x-rays. I already knew that my left one had bone-on-bone arthritis, but gosh, it hadn't bothered me, not really, in a while. But he talked to me, he looked me in the eye, and told me confidently that I needed both done, that he could do both, that it would be outpatient, and that I could do it. I would go home and be able to get around. I had the utmost trust in him. Bill was there with me, and he was sold too. Bill's BS meter is usually pretty accurate, so I trust his opinion. But then you go home and you start thinking, right? You tell people, and they start giving you their opinions. And wow, did I hear a lot of stories. Some of the people I know told me their grandmother had both knees done and never walked again. People who I know and love and trust were telling me I was crazy. I joined a Facebook group of people who have had or were going to have partial knee replacements. There were some positive outcome stories, sure, but there were some really bad horror stories, too. I started to waver in my decision. I called my surgeon, and again, he told me I could do it. He gave me numerous reasons why I should do both. I felt good again about my decision, but he never pushed me. He told me I could change my mind up until the surgery. He wouldn't take it personally. He never pushed. Again, I felt the confidence in him. In the end, I had to realize and tell myself that everyone's journey is different. Sure, there are some people who have had bad experiences and were left worse off than before, but I wasn't privy to their starting place or their details, so how can I compare myself to them or their outcomes? And a positive outlook counts for a lot. Plus, well... I am an overachiever. Okay, not always. But I had morphed into one over the years. This had nothing to do with competition with myself or anyone else. That's what I tell myself, at least. I just wanted to get better, to be able to walk like a fairly normal person. I knew this was my time. Recovery would take a while. And I had things in place to take care of the animals, and Bill was ready to step up. I didn't want to go through this twice. 
I kept a positive attitude. Sure, it wasn't always easy. I started hearing the Rocky theme song in my head. I was going to be stronger than the pain. Surgery day was tough because, again, I was like a takeout meal. I needed to be dropped at the curb. Bill couldn't come in with me. That was tough, all alone. I saw my surgeon, and he asked me again what I wanted to do. And I told him, unequivocally, I wanted to do both. He reinforced my decision by saying that so many times, patients who just did one would come in post-op and be disappointed that they hadn't done both. I told him I trusted him, and I was ready for both. After all, he's the expert. This is what he does for a living. And he studied, did his internship and residency at USC. Not only my alma mater, but also where I worked and my husband has been treated. He had a good pedigree, and he knew a lot more about what he was doing than me. Team USC means a lot in our family, and I had to trust that as well. One thing I wasn't looking forward to were the nerve blocks in my legs. I had heard someone getting a nerve block when I had my knee scoped that time, and for some reason, this part terrified me. Maybe it was just the needle. Another needle? Oh, so that day when they were prepping me and they told me that I would also be getting a spinal block, I just about lost it and ran out of the pre-op area. But really, it was nothing. I mean, besides the strange feeling of tingling and loss of sensation in my legs, (laughs) it was the IV needle. I was starting to lose it. I mean, crying hysterically. That's when an OR nurse came up to me and said, you're okay. I'm going to be with you through the whole process. I'll hold your hand and you can hold me and you're going to get through this. Stuff like that. She held my eyes and I felt so much better. I felt like someone was with me. But then she was gone. I got another OR nurse. I guess she was on a break. It figures, right? But I have to say, everyone was wonderful to me. The anesthesiologist was great because after two failed attempts by the pre-op nurse digging in my arm to insert the IV needle, he got it in easily. It was funny because I told the pre-op nurse that I had been told that I have tiny veins that roll. She said they tell everyone that. Well, it still turned out to be a big challenge. I mean, is everyone a big challenge? Okay, so yes, I'm about three weeks out now. I stayed overnight in the recovery area, which was a unique experience. I was the only patient there and I had two nurses all to myself. I was able to get up, walk around and get to the bathroom. Yes, I had some pain. I had a chance to see my surgeon. He questioned me and asked me about my left leg. He wanted to confirm 
that I had told him that that leg was doing okay. As he had told my husband on the phone after surgery, the left leg, which was functioning okay, turned out to have a lot more damage and they needed to spend more time on it. He told me he didn't know how I was still walking on it. So it was good that I had done both. Yes, day three was a tough day. I was crying. I was crying so much and so hard, I made Bill cry. It's hard to watch your loved one in pain. Physical pain is one of the hardest things to endure, I think. Getting up, going to the bathroom was excruciating. But it started to subside a few days later. The first part was miserable. I knew that. That's okay. I had reason to myself that the bone-on-bone pain I felt was already pretty bad. Could it feel worse than that? Well, kind of, in a different way. Your body is working with the pain, but also the invasion of being cut. So there's that, the inflammation, the stiffness, the swollen tissue. The only hitch has been one of the worst UTIs on record. I can't ever really recall having a UTI, honestly. I'm still not entirely sure how this happened. I called my doctor and got a round of antibiotics, but obviously it wasn't the right kind. So then I was getting desperate and got into the doctor's office. I mean, got into the doctor's office. That was a heroic effort, believe me to give them a urine sample. And my urine was red. Oh, dear. Now, I know that the next step after a bladder infection is a kidney infection, and that's a bad thing. So I was grateful to be on the road to a solution. Unfortunately, the solution was to go to the ER. I'm allergic to almost every oral antibiotic made, and we had exhausted what I could take orally, so I would need an IV. I'll say this. I know that medical personnel are doing a heroic job still, and there are a lot of sick people. Still, the ER experience isn't an easy one. We were there six hours. It was exhausting. The tech who took me over for a CT scan told me the only day the ER isn't busy is Christmas Eve because everyone is home. Oh yeah, they wanted a scan because they wanted to rule out a kidney stone. I was pretty sure I didn't have one of those. I mean, here was their reasoning. I had had kidney stones before and red urine is a sign of kidney stones. The triage nurse told me that the Percocet would have masked the pain of a kidney stone. This was hilarious. Bill had a great point. He said, how would the Percocet be masking the pain of a kidney stone when it wasn't fully masking the pain of your knee surgery? But I digress. Okay. I was pretty sure I didn't have a kidney stone, and yes, that was ruled out. 
thankfully. I mean, I don't know if I could have taken another complication. And now I know more about the size and condition of my spleen, my liver, and a lot of my other internal organs, more than I really wanted to know. But I guess that's a plus. I remain grateful that I had both knees done at the same time. I can't imagine going through this process again. If I had gotten to this point with one knee and knew I had to do the other one down the line, I would be so disappointed and frankly upset. So back to trust. Trusting yourself, trusting your decisions, and learning to trust others is a process and a lifelong lesson and journey. Yes, you can listen to the opinions of your friends and others because you can learn a lot that way. In the end, you have to make the decision that is right for you. You are different from everyone else. You have to have the inner strength to stick to your decision once you know what is right for you. That's not always easy, but it's an important skill, if that's the right word, to have in this life. I hope that helps you now and in the future with any of the big or little decisions you need to make. The path to any decision isn't always clear, but I find if you listen to yourself, you'll get to the best answer. That's it for today. I'll keep you all posted on the continuing saga of my recovery. Next week, I'll tackle another subject. I hope you'll join me. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you might listen on. And consider rating Only Child Diaries and writing a review. It helps others to find us. Please share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook, Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tracy Wallace, and these are the Only Child Diaries.